Welcome to the Church Fam Podcast, presented to you by Highland College Ministry in Waco, Texas. My name is Drew Humphrey, and I'm the college pastor here at Highland. If you like this podcast and want to keep up with us, go ahead and hit subscribe or follow so that these episodes can be delivered directly to your phone each week. We've got a great episode planned today, so let's jump right in. My name is Julie, and I am a member of Highland, and this is my story. So as Drew mentioned during college night, depression can come from so many different sources. I have friends with a chemical imbalance that need to regulate with medication, just like any other illness. But for me, the depression I faced was mostly circumstantial. I was abused as a kid and in a couple different relationships, and this caused me to feel a lot of fear and a lot of hatred toward myself. I didn't believe myself to have worth, and I experienced what is called a sense of foreshortened future, which is the belief that you won't have a long or fulfilling life. What God showed me over the course of almost four years of college now is that He has a plan and He is capable of so much more than we realize. Jeremiah 29.11 tells us that God has plans to prosper you and not harm you, to give you hope and a future. It's so hard to convince yourself when you're depressed that everything will be alright, but it can be. My advice would be to lean on God and your friends and counseling and the little things that fill you with joy and wonder and curiosity and are your passion. There's so much love in the world, and if you can't find it around you, then you can find it in God. Hey, what's up? Welcome to the Church Fan Podcast, to our series, Digging Deeper, where we dive deeper into our conversations from college night. My name is Erica Carr. I'm a college leader here at Highland, um, and I'm joined today by a member of Highland staff. Hey, Church Fam. I'm Jeremy Daniel. I'm the group's pastor here at Highland. I actually oversee all of our adult ministries, and so uh, that includes ABFs, CGs, Bible studies, equipping classes, all of those things. Great. Thanks for joining us today, Jeremy. Yeah, thanks for having me. If y'all missed college night, first of all, you can listen to Drew's sermon right here on this podcast, so make sure you jump off and listen to that first so that we're all on the same page. Um, But I'm just going to quickly kind of remind y'all what we talked about. Drew's sermon... um, focused on depression and how we handle that. How do we turn to scripture? What are um, his tag was the biblical prescriptions um, for dealing with that. So Jeremy, give us a quick uh, kind of tidbit. Why are you here? Why are you our guest for this podcast? That is, I thought you had asked me here to correct any wrong theology in Drew's sermon, but uh, I have it on good authority because I listened to it that it was actually really good. So I think yeah. uh, more than anything, I have a heart and a background in uh, biblical counseling. And so I uh, just came to maybe lend a little biblical insight into depression. Okay, awesome. Thanks for being here. Sure. So why don't you share with us a little bit about about why we had this conversation about how depression affects our spiritual health? Yeah, so I think really um, one of the things that a lot of us have seen over the course of the last season with uh, a lot of isolation, a lot of unknown, a lot of fear, uh, is you begin to see more people um, that maybe wouldn't have admitted that they struggle with depression struggling with depression. And so really understanding what depression is, how it affects us, and then how we attack it, I think, becomes really, really important. Uh, Because I 
and I've said this before several times to several different people, uh, even here at Highland, but I think uh, one of the things that we found ourselves at times, I think woefully unprepared for, uh, is a season like this. And, and part of it is because I don't know that we have a really good theology of suffering. Mm-hmm. So you can read through the scriptures, and, um, and I think outside of the fact uh, and the truth that Jesus says, I will be with you, and this is the truth of the gospel, that I'll never leave you or forsake you. Uh, the other biggest promise that he makes in the scriptures is that you will suffer, right? And yeah. consider it all joy, brothers, when you uh, encounter uh, trials of various kinds, and you know that those things are going to produce something in you, and you see it uh, in Paul, and you see it in Peter, and you see it in John. So all throughout the New Testament, and really what we see all in the Old Testament, is there's a lot of suffering. And so if we don't develop a good theology of suffering, then um, we can really kind of fall off into two ditches. Uh, so on one side of uh, a bad theology of suffering, it's that we don't deserve it, right? Like, I, I'm a good person, I do good things, I'm serving Jesus, and therefore, if I'm wrestling with depression, it's because God is somehow unjust, and He's giving me something that I don't deserve, right? On the other side of that, we can set ourselves kind of in the judgment seat of God and, and say, if God knew me like I knew me, if he really knew me, then he wouldn't love me the way that he says that he loves me. And so I'll kind of stand in judgment over myself. And both of those things just kind of feed the depression. Uh, and so I think a good theology of suffering will really help us when we get into those seasons, whether they are short seasons uh, or whether they are more chronic or clinical type um, of things. And I think one of the things that Drew said last night that I thought was really good, uh, is the idea that um, though your depression may not be brought on by sin, uh, it is always a spiritual issue. And what I tell people all the time is that depression is always a result of sin. And I want to be real clear what I mean by that. That doesn't mean that it's uh, a result of your sin. It could be a result of someone else's sin against you or the reality that we live in a fallen world that's been broken by sin. So if you look in Genesis 1 and 2, we would see that depression is not the way that it's supposed to be. But I think the biggest problem with depression, and I think why we have to have a good theology of suffering, is um, that emotion, right? It is something that should be an indicator, right? It gives us information, but it shouldn't be something that draws our gaze down. And the issue with anxiety and depression is it really takes our focus off of everything else, and it puts it on us. Like, uh, how am I feeling? How am I doing? Am I Am I less depressed today than I was yesterday? Am I less anxious today? And everything is about me. And so I wouldn't necessarily say that you are selfish if you're suffering with these things, but I would say that the temptation is to only see what's going on uh, and not be able to see past my depression and and past my anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. And um, on our other series, Wednesday Walk, which you should go listen to, um, a couple weeks ago, one of our CG leaders from the college ministry came on and talked about in Matthew 4, where Jesus calms the storm. And something that the disciples do in that moment is let their fear blind them to the fact that they're in a boat with God mm-hmm. and focus on their own fear and like, how am I going to save myself? How can we turn that focus away from ourselves? Like, what are some things that we can do to make sure that our focus is outward and faced on God rather than on our own suffering? 
Yeah, and I, and I think that's a good question. Um, and so I would really kind of say a few things. Number one, and this is first, if you're struggling with depression, you're struggling in anxiety, here's what you need to know. That God loves you. That he is near to you. Um, that he has not abandoned you to your depression. He has not abandoned you to your anxiety. But there is a call um, to look outside of yourself, to look past that depression, past that anxiety, uh, and what Hebrews would say, right, to place our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And so you look at some of the big passages that people will go to when people are struggling with anxiety or depression. So like Matthew 6, right? Uh, Matthew 6, in the section that I'll talk about, it kind of starts out with treasures, right? Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, but you lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths can't break, or where moths don't eat, where rust doesn't, and thieves can't break in and steal, right? Then it talks about the eyes, right? The eyes are the window to the soul. If the eye is unhealthy, then the heart is going to be unhealthy. And then it talks about masters, right? Um, and, and then it moves into this section about um, consider the birds, right? Um, they don't reap, uh, they don't sow, uh, but they harvest. God takes care of them. Consider the lilies of the field, that um, they don't do anything on their own, and yet um, even King Solomon has never been dressed as splendidly as they are. And so then it moves into this, so therefore don't be anxious uh, about what you eat or what you put on, um, but you trust in the Lord because enough trouble you, you'll have today, right? So don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough Today has enough trouble of its own. Um, and, and I kind of look at those things, and, and here's the beauty of, I think, the Scriptures, is they never tell us to not feel something, right? Yeah. Uh, like, it, he didn't say, don't be anxious about um, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink, but feel like this, right? Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't say, um, don't be anxious about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink, but feel happy all the time. He, he didn't say that at all, but what he said was, don't be anxious about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear, but do this, right? So he replaces the way we're feeling, that emotion that we're feeling with an action. This is the action that I take um, in this moment. You look at uh, Philippians 4, right? Um, Be anxious for nothing but in all things, through prayer and supplication, you make your requests known to the Lord. Even Paul in there, he doesn't doesn't say, um, don't be anxious, but be uh, upbeat instead, right? He doesn't give you an emotion to replace your depression with. He gives an, a- a- an action, right? Yeah. So don't be anxious, but in prayer and supplication, you make your request known to the Lord. And in both of those, there's this pursuit and this invitation to trust the Lord, even in the midst of your depression, even in the midst of your anxiety. And so I think the way that we attack depression and the way that we attack anxiety is to kind of lift our gaze off of ourselves, off of our depression, off of our anxiety, and to place them onto and trust in the Lord. And and here's another hard thing. 
Like you look at the life of Paul, which was just a life of difficulty, yeah. right? Like he was uh, beaten with rods. He was stoned until people thought he was dead. He was shipwrecked twice. He was bitten by a snake. He was thrown in prison, and eventually he was beheaded. And you see these really raw moments where Paul is just like, I'm, I was despairing to the point of death. That's, yeah. that's some deep depression. And yet, he would say these crazy things like, I don't consider this light and momentary affliction worthy of compare to the eternal weight of glory that these things are working in me. So it would seem that even in the midst of his difficulty, that the Lord was drawing him ever and ever closer. And and again, I think that's why we continually have to press people towards the Scriptures, not because what they're going to find is some magic bullet that um, tomorrow when they wake up because they read this passage, they're just going to feel better. But what you have is a picture of faithful men in the Scriptures who wrestled and struggled with anxiety and yet had a lot of joy in the midst of it. Uh, And so the question isn't, how do I get rid of this depression? How do I um, stop being anxious? You can talk about those things, and, and I pray that the Lord delivers you from all of that. The real question is, I mean, if the Lord allows me to wrestle with this for the rest of my life, is he enough? I think there's a lot of factors that we need to consider when we're really trying to help someone work through anxiety and depression. I think first and foremost, you got to think about those physiological factors, right? Like what are you eating? What's your diet look like? Are there things that you're eating that are contributing to the way that you feel? What's your sleep pattern look like? Are you getting enough rest? I don't know if you've ever um, been like just wrecked, tired, but it's hard to kind of gauge emotions first and foremost, but then it's also kind of really difficult to regulate emotions when uh, are you exercising? Like, are you getting out? And I, I don't mean like, um, you know, going and working out CrossFit or, or whatever, but like, are you just getting out and moving and being active, kind of getting out in the sun and allowing it to kind of yeah. pour down on you? So you got those physiological factors. You need to, I mean, you need to eat as well as you can eat, right? You need to yeah. uh, sleep as well as you can sleep and you need to exercise as well as you can exercise. And those things are going to be helpful for depression. They're going to be helpful for anxiety. You've also got sociological issues that you're, like how much time do you spend on social media social media is a depressing place right now um, especially during an election season right so either uh, Donald Trump or Joe Biden is going to save or destroy the soul of our nation we are either going to be an oppressive capitalist nation or just a dirty communist nation that like these things are coming for us and so people read these things and they're like oh man there's like no hope Right. Um, And I I see my friends on Facebook who have everything together because their pictures show me that they have everything together. They're beautiful. They're dressed well. Their kids behave just all the time. And I see it in that picture. And so I know that I am a failure. Um, and, And so there's these sociological things that I look at and I'm like, man, social media will drive and feed my anxiety and my depression. Does that mean that you shouldn't be on social media? Maybe, maybe not, but it's yeah. something to consider. How much time do I spend on social media? Uh, and then, man, 
what do I do when I am feeling anxious, when I am feeling depressed? Do I lean into that? Do I lean into the scriptures? Do I lean into the Lord? Or am I trying to numb it in some way? I want to fill it with people. I'm just going to surround myself with my friends so I don't have to think about it. Or I'm just going to binge watch Netflix. I don't know what the kids are watching <laughs> yeah. these days, right? I'm yeah. just going to binge watch Netflix because I don't want to have to think about how I feel. But those things feed into it as well. Yeah. And then, you know, primarily and most importantly, I think our depression is always a spiritual battle. It's always a war, right? And so you've got this battle of the flesh, right? This depression that is caused by just the desire and the temptation of the flesh to think that I am the center of my universe. Therefore, if I feel bad, then something has gone wrong in the universe. So I've got my flesh in concert with a very real enemy who hates me and who knows me and knows what strings to pull and what buttons to push to keep me kind of bogged down into that state. And so when I look at the scriptures, one, I need the reminder that what I'm suffering with right now isn't singular to me. Like I'm not the only one who's ever suffered with depression Mm -hmm in this way, right? Yeah. And so our tendency is to think nobody has ever struggled with it the way that I'm struggling with it now. It's it's so much deeper, it's so much darker. And if you read the Psalms, right, and you see David, I, I think David gives a really great example of ways that we deal with depression. Like you look at Psalm 42, right? Psalm 42 is one of my favorite Psalms. It's one that I love to take people to um, who are really wrestling through depression. And he's literally, I had one pastor who would say it like this, he's literally in a fight with himself. And it's, why are you downcast? Oh, my soul, hope in God, right? And so his prescription to the downcast state of his soul is not feel better, be happy, um, go make some more money, go um, get another wife or another concubine, or it's none of those things, but his prescription to the downcastness of his soul is to hope in God. And so then he goes through all of these remembrances of when he felt God near and when he felt like he was on top of the world. And he was like, I will remember these things and I will again go into the house of the Lord. I will again praise you. I will again do these things. And then it ends with, why are you downcast? Oh, my soul, hope in God. I I think, again, we want to understand the factors that can contribute and feed our um, anxiety and depression, but then we also want to consider the scriptures, consider and understand that it is a spiritual battle, and the best way to fight a spiritual battle is to um, really press into the king of everything, the one who is sovereign over all of it, the one who has power and control over this world, the spiritual realm, everywhere, right? Uh, And so um, when you read things like um, that every knee will bow, every tongue uh, confess, and that's on the earth and under the earth, that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's a claim of authority there. Even in the midst of my depression, Jesus still has authority over my life. And when I press into him and I remember the promises that he's made to me, right, and I steep in those promises, not looking for kind of the combination to crack the code that's going to get me out of this depression, but when I say that even in the middle of this depression, you are 
enough, yeah. right? And this is how I know that you're enough. Um, and I lift my gaze, then I may not be out of that funk, right? And it doesn't mean that that funk won't ever come again. It doesn't mean that that depression won't ever come again. But what it does mean is when it does hit, I view it differently. And so the best way to think about how to get out of depression or how to combat depression generally isn't when you're in the middle of it, right? Um, And so what are the steps that we take when we're not in the middle of it that are going to help us combat it when it comes? Uh, And so, you know, I I think with the scriptures, you've also got, uh, which is big in this season, is just isolation. I mean, Mm -hmm. people feel alone. And so the, the beauty and the gift of the church, the beauty of the gift of community, which I think you talked about yesterday, yeah. um, shout out, uh, <laughs> you should go listen to it, yes. it is very simply that. And so my wife, she always attributes this to someone else. I can't remember someone else saying it, so I always just give it to her. Um, but she talks about the idea of intercessory faith, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this idea that um, in the moments when you are too weak to... Um, believe the promises that God has made to you and about you um, than to have people who can come alongside you and proclaim those truths over you and pray for you and war with you become really, really important. Uh, And so one of the things that I like to tell people all the time is that your faith, while intensely personal, was never meant to be private. And so to know and to be known is really important, which means that if I have a propensity towards depression, um, then it's important that I let my community know that. Yeah. A- and I give them questions to ask me, and I, a- and I invite them to ask me those questions, and I'm honest about it when they do ask, yeah. because I know that when I'm in the middle of it, it's going to be important that they surround me, and they come around me, and they pray, and they war for me. So, uh, yeah, so leaning into the scriptures, um, working your community and then I think just looking at some of those physiological factors and yeah. sociological factors, they become really, really important. Yeah, absolutely. And something you kept mentioning over and over again is um, how we respond in the midst of anxiety rather than mm-hmm. just hoping it'll go away. Because yeah. even like with anxiety and depression, a lot of, for a lot of people, it doesn't go away. It's yeah. constant and it's there. Um, Drew encouraged us at our tables to read um, 2 Corinthians 12, yeah. where um, Paul talks about the thorn in his flesh that was used to humble him and to weaken him. And I'm not saying that everyone that has depression, anxiety has a pride issue. Um, but one of the things that Paul talks about is rejoicing in that weakness mm-hmm. and rejoicing and saying like, this is a blessing and this is a gift. Um, and I think it goes back to what you're saying is when we're like not in those moments of depression, and anxiety, and we're not overwhelmed by our emotions to stop and say like, thank you God for allowing me to see your grace and your mercy through this suffering. That's something I have to do with myself a lot because um, it, it is a way to strengthen our souls and strengthen our hearts to propel us through those low moments. Um, and then again, Jeremy brought this up. Community is so important. We did a Wednesday walk episode over it. Listen to it. Um, but it is important to to be vulnerable with your community and to tell them, hey, when I'm like this, this is the best way for you to love me and to walk through this with me um, and just be honest and, and open about communicating those needs and those expectations to your community. Yeah. And, and so I think, you know, in that Second Corinthians 12, at the end of it, um, I think God's response to Paul, what mm-hmm. Paul says the Lord yeah. showed him, uh, becomes really, really important because we, uh, again, we get this idea in our head that 
Um, if I'm wrestling with depression or I'm wrestling with anxiety, God must be frustrated with me or he must have abandoned me or he must be mad at me or this must be punishment or something. But the reality is what he tells Paul is, no, I'm, I'm not going to take it. I'm going to leave it. My grace is sufficient for yeah. you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Yeah. And so I'm going to allow you to suffer through this for the rest of your life seemingly mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm really, really strong and people are able to see my strength more perfectly when you're weak. Yeah. Um, and so we just, we have to war against those thoughts. You look at Jesus. So if, if it's true that if I'm struggling or I'm suffering or I've, mm-hmm. I'm depressed or I'm anxious, that God is somehow angry with me, then when you look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane mm-hmm. um, and he's praying three times, Lord, if there's any other way, yeah. that that we can accomplish this let's do that I, I i don't want to do this but not my will your will be done to the point where he's sweating drops of blood in most people when you ask what was jesus feeling in that moment my friend andrew would say it this way if you just called him bob right mm-hmm. and you said hey how is bob feeling in this moment most everybody's going to say what anxious he's yeah. anxious so does that mean that god didn't love him or that god was right no we would say that no that's a right response <laughs> that yeah. there's uh, an anxiousness to the coming pain that he he knows it's coming but god doesn't take that cup from him um shadrach meshach and abednego we, you know the story right they're standing yeah. before the king uh, and the king saying hey you need to bow down and you need to worship me and if you don't i'm going to throw you into this furnace And they say something that I think is incredibly profound. They say that our God is able to deliver us, and he will. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow to you. So we cannot couple our love of God, our pursuit of God, our trust in the Lord with the way that we're feeling in a particular moment, right? Because if we believe that every time we're depressed or every time we're anxious, that God is somehow mad at us or angry with us or has abandoned us, we're going to think that a lot. But the reality of the scriptures is we are meant to war against those feelings, war against those emotions, and cling to the truth of the scriptures. And so Jeremiah 17, 9 would say that the heart is deceitful and desperately sick above all else. Who can understand it? Certainly not me. Certainly not you. Which means that my emotions, though they give me information, they are also liars. And what they are going to tempt me to do is to try and reach out and grab control. And what the scriptures remind me of often is that any control that I think I have is an illusion, that God is in control and he is able to deliver me. But even if he doesn't, I will not bow to the temptation to numb this pain in some ungodly, unholy way. I will not bow to the temptation to um, give myself over to some lesser God or some lesser thing, but I will war against um, that temptation. I will war against my flesh, and I will cling to the promises that God has made me. Um, Psalm 40, I think, is another great example, Uh, and what you have there is David saying that he has Um, pulled me up out of the muck, and he has pulled me up out of the mire, and he has put a song in my heart. So even singing to the Lord, singing praises in the midst of your depression, while difficult, right? Mm -hmm. It's really, really hard to do, is a thing that helps us war against that depression. And and I think, too, we we need to draw a distinction, and Drew said it well last night, that, um, you know, we don't think medication is a bad thing. And, And 
by no means, if you're on medication for depression, to be like, oh, well, medication is bad, so I should stop taking it. Don't do that. Don't do that ever. Yeah. Um, the common grace of medication gives you the ability to deal with the things that are going on in your heart. It gives you that space to be able yeah. to do that. But the reality that we have to understand is that medication is not curing your depression. That medication is not curing your anxiety, but it is masking it. It helps you not to feel bad, right? And, and I think a great indication of where our heart is is if we're on that medication and we're not feeling, you know, we're not feeling those that crushing depression or that um, just crushing anxiety, then we don't really think about it at all. And I think what we have the opportunity to do on that medication is to see, okay, what what is it now that I have some space to breathe, now that I don't feel like um, I just want to sleep all day, or now that I feel like I can walk into a place where there's other people without wanting to pull my hair out or jump out of my skin, what is it that's going on in my heart? Is there some doubt or disbelief in the gospel that that I need to work through? Um, and so I think medication is such a blessing in so many ways. If we're using it to the glory of God to really figure out what is driving these things. But it can also be the thing that really masks and keeps us from really digging into that. So... Again, I think if what you've worked through with your psychiatrist, your psychologist um, is uh, medication, then you want to do that. That's a that's a good gift, a common grace for everyone. But you don't want to waste the opportunity that you have in the space that that medication has given you um, and not think about it, not dig into it at all. Because again, the best way to battle depression and anxiety is to really seize those moments when you're not just crushed by it yeah. because if you wait till you're being crushed by it then man it's it's infinitely more difficult yeah absolutely so i think um the last question i want to ask you today is we talked about community and the importance of community how can we be good community um and help carry the burdens of our friends and family that are um being crushed by anxiety and depression yeah uh so i think second corinthians one is a great example of how um, we become good community, right? Um, and it says, praise be um, to God, right? The God of all comfort, who comforts us with a heavenly comfort so that, so that, and this is important, we can be a comfort to others. Yeah. And so I don't know of anybody who has never faced depression of some sort. Now, um, would they say that they are clinically depressed? Well, I don't know. A lot of people could say they're clinically depressed because they ask you like 20 questions. And if they're, if you meet five of the things and they're like, oh yeah, totally. You're clinically depressed. Did it last more than two weeks? Totally clinically depressed. Um, and so even the, you know, even the medical community has a hard time kind of quantifying and grasping what it means to yeah. be clinically depressed. Um, but there are people who, because of brain chemistry, because of things going on in their uh, in their bodies, man, they're, they're just more prone to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody has struggled with it in some way, yeah. right? Uh, whether that's because of grief and loss, whether that's because of transition or loss of friends or uh, whatever that, because of a crazy political season or whatever that looks like we've all struggled with those feelings 
And, and for many of us, the Lord has really given us a lot of freedom, and He's and He's brought us through a lot of those things. But for many of us, uh, man, He's taught us how to be faithful in those moments, kind of like Paul. Um, perfectly, no, absolutely not. But uh, He's taught us how to, and so the ability, our ability, to kind of surround people and to comfort them in their affliction becomes really important. So we have to be, we have to be a body. I think, right? That's what we're called to be. Uh, we are one body, and you've got hands, and you've got feet, and you've got eyes, and you've got noses, and you've got ears, and you've got toeses. Toeses? I don't think toes? that's toes. you got ears and toes. Um, and, and so to play our part, to come alongside, and to comfort others in their affliction becomes really important. But you have to know people to be able to do that. Yeah. I have to know you well enough to know, man, something's off. So a great definition R.C. Sproul would call depression the thief of joy, yeah. right? Uh, and so if I know Erica in the midst of joy, I can tell when she's off, right? Yeah. Uh, I had another counselor friend one time who would describe it this way. It's just nothing tastes, right? Everything's foggy. Everything's kind of gray. Um, there's just no color. It's like you're watching um, Leave it to Beaver on black and white. Do you guys know Leave it to Beaver, college fam? No? Probably not. <sighs> I'll just say a collective no for all of us. Okay. Um, it's like a black and white TV show. Okay. Bonanza. Do you guys know Bonanza? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like Bonanza in black and white. And, and so there's just no color, nothing taste. But I have to know you well enough to know that something's off, right? Yeah. Um, and so the hope is that you would come and you would share that and that I would be able. But also on the other side of that, me knowing you well enough to encourage you and to spur you on to love and good deeds, like Hebrews 10 would tell us to do, becomes really important. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think the best thing you can do is ask good questions of your friends, um, to know them, not study them in a weird way, like in a stocky way, (laughs) stalkery way, um, but to know them and to ask them questions and to encourage them and to love on them and to grow deeper in relationship with them so that when they are struggling, what they can be reminded of often, right? When they don't seem to have the strength to preach the gospel to themselves, you've developed a platform uh, and the relational capital to be able to say, hey, I know that you think this is never going to end, but it will. You're going to be okay. The Lord is near to you. He is for you. He is with you. He loves you. He has not left you. He has not abandoned you. And even if you struggle with this every day for the rest of your life, He's with you. And I'm here to encourage you and to remind you of the gospel, that He doesn't love you because you're happy all the time. He doesn't love you because you do everything right all the time. He loves you because you're a beloved child of the Most High King. What is one thing you want to leave us with? One thing throughout the rest of our week. Sure. Um, I I think the biggest thing that I would leave you with is, and God loves you. He knows you. He's near to you. In a broken and contrite spirit, he will not despise. And so cling to those truths in the midst of your anxiety, in the midst of your depression. And then on the other side of it, um, it's good to know your enemy. And so I would give you... Uh, some books. I'll give you three. How about three? Some sounds like a lot. I'll give you three. The first one uh, is a book by uh, Zach Eswine. It's called Spurgeon's Sorrows. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, I don't know if you know it, he was the Prince of Preachers, suffered with crippling depression all the days of his life, right? Died a faithful man, but he struggled with it. And so uh, that's one book I think that would be really great. The second one is a book called 
Depression by Ed Welch, uh, who is an author and a counselor. Uh, and that's a good book just to kind of figure out, gives you good definition of what depression is, how it affects you in the, kind of those three areas that I talked about, the physiological, the sociological, and the spiritual. Uh, and then the other book uh, is called When the Darkness Will Not Lift, and that's by a guy named John Piper. Um, he's like a pastor yeah, and an author. That, that I don't know. He's kind of obscure. So <laughs> not many people know him. But yeah, so I would offer up those three books, grab it, and begin to know your enemy. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us today, Jerry. Thanks for having me. You had lots of um, wisdom and professional wisdom to offer us, uh, which we're really grateful for. Um, thank you, friends, for listening to this episode of Digging Deeper. Just a couple things for you all to know. We do have a Digging Deeper from our last college night, so if you didn't get a chance to listen to those, go ahead and do that. We'll have another episode coming out um, a week after this one, so make sure you listen to that one when it comes out as well. And we do still publish Wednesday Walks every single Wednesday to encourage you throughout your week. We would love to get to know you. Please join us at one of our three gatherings here at Highland at 8.40, 10 o'clock, or 11.20. Join a CG. CGs are a great place to find community. Jeremy does a lot to make sure that those run smoothly, so uh, we would love to see you get plugged in uh, personally through a CG, um, and we'd love to see you at our next college night on November 10th. Thanks for joining us on the Church Fam Podcast with this special series called the Digging Deeper Series. We're so glad that you're with us today. We want to stay connected to you. If you like this podcast, make sure that you click follow or subscribe on your podcast app so that it'll come straight to your phone every time we upload a new episode. We also post a lot on Instagram to keep up with the Church Fam, make sure they know what's going on. So if you want to follow us at HighlandCM, Instagram. That will make sure that you're always in the know about what's going on in our ministry. We're so glad that you joined us. Hope to see you on a Sunday morning with our whole church family. We hope that you can join us at the next college night or that you're jumping into a CG. Whatever it is, we want to be connected to one another. Love you, church family.